This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Hawes. Hello, everyone. Stephen Lockeridge. Hello. On tonight's show, we're going to kick off with Daniel Steisen in Last Man Down. Uh, then we have an Egyptian film called The Diesel. Um, and then uh, we've got Tay Diggs in Incarnation. Uh, after this, uh, we're going to have an attempt at reviewing Zeros and Ones, the latest film from Abel Ferrara. And our short shot is Life is But a Dream from Park Chan-wook. And we're going to round off with Intruder in our DTV throwback. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film then is Last Man Down. Set in a time when the world is ravaged by an unstoppable epidemic, a lone soldier lives in exile until a young woman arrives at his remote cabin, seeking his help and making him face his past. Um, okay, so this is the sort of first feature film for Daniel Steisen. Yes. Um, we've yeah. covered some of his shorts before. Uh, we've even had him on the show um, a couple of years ago, which was really cool. Um, so, yeah, this is, it, it, it's nothing uh, we haven't seen before, I guess. But, Steve, what did you make of Last Man Down? Um. <clears throat> It was okay. It's very, very cliched. You know, you know what's coming. You know exactly how it's going to end up. Um, I did enjoy the opening, though. I thought it was quite brutal and unexpected in a way. Um, but as of then, it just kind of goes a bit downhill, really. You know exactly what's going to happen. Even, like I said, the last-minute twist is pretty obvious, really. Uh, the action's quite good. It's not, it's not the best in the world, but it's not the worst. I've seen a lot worse. And some performances are over the top, but it's it's not bad. Um, I've seen better. I've seen worse. Really. Hey, yeah, fair comments. Um, I, I did enjoy this, I must admit. Um, it is, yeah, it, it, it's a bit straightforward uh, as far mm. as... Um, you know, we, we have come across this kind of thing before. Um, but having said that, I think they do this very well. Um, I, I like the pairing of the girl with, with, with sort of Dennis Tyson's character, the woodsman, as, as he's known in the film. Yeah. John Wood, I think is his character yeah. name. Um, but I, I, I thought they did a lot with it. I thought, that, you know, um, the sort of fight scenes, the, you know, the action was handled really well mm. for, for, for this particular budget. Um, and I was kind of surprised by the way the film ended after a bit. Um, you know, it, it, mm. it's not it's not all sort of neatly tied up. It's um, sort of left nicely open for a further instalment, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, Rich, over to you, mate. Yeah, I think a lot of films go, you know, they sort of set themselves up saying, it, you know, this is an 80s style action movie. Mm-hmm. And the, and they usually fall at the first hurdle kind of thing. Whereas I think this one can legitimately sort of take that crown. It's got the body count, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it, and you know, it is mm. 
the setup is quite self-consciously Rambo, you know, First Blood slash Rambo mm. crossed with Commando. Yeah, absolutely. But set in, the, yeah. But but set in a uh, a, a, a near future, you know, ravaged by a, a pandemic. Mm. And I think that <laughs> yeah. I think that was set up. <laughs> I think that was set up before coronavirus. Mm. So it's just a coincidence, I believe. Yeah. Uh, because by the time the film would have been made. Um, well, that's you know, right. That yeah. Been, but, anyway, mm. Unless they've added that in, I don't know. Sean Malloy might quite um, astutely observed that really the the whole virus thing really doesn't get. We certainly it, don't see any of it, do we? You know, well, it's, yeah. it doesn't really make any. It. it it doesn't impact anything in any sense. You know, the the plot no. could have easily worked without it. You just restructure yeah. slightly. They don't they don't make enough of it for it to be. You know, for it to be there, mm. uh, it's mm. kind of say it's just sort of this near future kind of setting, and everything basically takes place in the woods. There's no, there's no cityscapes or whatever. The whole at the beginning of the film, they say he's immune, but they never mm. make anything of it. Yeah. And then there's the girl character introduced, and she's got some things about her which are important, which again we've seen in other films. <laughs> mm. um, but I don't mind. I don't mind the derivativeness at all. I think I, actually, I hardly noticed. At, yeah, I hardly noticed those elements being missing. You know, yeah. um, what, if you focus it. on the action, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, which is the core component here, you know, it is a muscular guy action movie. And, mm. and be, mm. I think it's a massive success. The you yeah. know, he looks the part. He's he, Styson from the films that we've watched him in previously, uh, Gain and uh, Re- uh, Retribution. I think he's got this. You know. He's, He's got this grizzled kind of look about him with the beard and stuff. He's played one of his characters was homeless, another guy was you know a bodybuilder, but like a bit of a nasty piece of work and stuff. He's yeah. got this kind of unappealing you know look about him. He's he's not mm. he's not like Arnie who's got he's he's got that sort of, sort of clean you know, cut, clean, shape, sort of, cut yeah. clean cut sort of handsomeness about him. Styson, you know, is he's got that kind of scary look, you know, so, and he, and he's really rough and grizzled, but he seems to like sort of leaning into darker characters mm. from what we've seen. Uh, I think that works. I think it works absolutely fine. Uh, taking the lead in a, in a feature, I think he does. Okay. Um, his, this is an English as a second language film. Uh, so, I mean, most of, you know, many of the action stars of the day were, you know, not, were not native yeah. English speakers, yeah. but he, he, he's, he is a bit gravelly, you know, with his voice, and, and sometimes some of the lines just don't come up, come off quite well, um, and can be a bit unclear. Uh, uh, and the same with the actress, who's who's Moldovian, you know. So it's it's a bit. Some of the conversations and stuff are a bit awkward. Hmm. The, this is a uh, Swedish, or, or he's Norwegian. I think he's Norwegian, but the the director and the setting, uh, sorry, the location, and everything was Swedish. Um, so not, I mean, there's some of the some of the cast are English, but mm. for the most part, yeah. it is you know people, you know, making Europeans making a, a an American style film, and I think say I've seen examples of that before where it just doesn't work, you know, even if they hire a Hollywood star like for example like Ski Ulrich did one in the Netherlands or something, and uh, uh, stuff like that. Um, there's there's quite a few examples actually, but I won't go into it. But the, I think this plays out really well. The guy who's the villain, uh, Daniel Neem, who's actually, 
I think he's from London. I think he's he was born. I think he's Lebanese, but he, you know he's mm. he lives. I think he lives and was raised, or at least a part of his life in in London. He's really good. You know, he's a great villain. You know, his beard looks great. <laughs> uh, he's really cool. Mm. He's very very fierce. The opening of the movie, which Steve mentioned to me, to me that's just straight out of Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, it's like the exact yeah. same scene, yeah. <laughs> or practically. Uh, I do think calling him jo- calling his calling his character John Wood and having him be a guy who literally cut chops wood like in like <laughs> so many scenes because that's what he is he's the timber man or something they call him um and I think that's a bit too on the nose the film is very earnest but then it's got these other elements that are a bit like winking to the audience and you're like well are you, are you trying to sort of do a little bit of parody but you're not quite sure about it you know Hmm. Um, but the fact yeah. that he's called John is again reference to John Come Rambo, yeah. John Matrix. <laughs> you know, it's 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 linking in that. Uh, I thought the music was good. I thought the action was well. You know, it's not particularly showy, but it's you know it's that tough guy action, you know, beat down kind of stuff going on. I thought worked really well. Reminded me of some of the shorts that we've watched, like Payload. You remember the remember the two yeah, guys yeah. in Payload throwing yeah. themselves around that room and stuff. That that was kind of in this tradition, I thought. Um, one of the oh, and the cinematography that's a bit like um, Ross Boy asks, "I am vengeance." You know, these are films shot in very you know sparse locations. You know, there's yeah. not a lot going on, mm. here, but it looks really good. You put this next to uh, uh, "Out of Death" or something like that, which or or, or um, Killing Fields. Which yeah, are, which probably, which probably films. Had, yeah. double the budget as well. Yeah, exactly. M- yeah. Much bigger mm. budgets. Both basically shot outdoors for a lot of mm. them. Yeah, and they don't look as handsome yeah. as this. I mean, this one's using. I think some of the overhead shots and and you know establishing shots of the forest and that. I think they're from like uh, Shutterstock or something. Mm. You know, but that doesn't matter. But it, it it ties in well with the with the the location stuff, and it just looks solid. You know, it, it's really well made. Um, the say I like I like the music. There was one point where I could swear that the the music was like a a reworking of like a classic piece. Mm. Not and I couldn't quite tell whether it was like a classical piece of music or, or so. I I can't remember the tune and I didn't I remember the name, but it was definitely familiar. But it was played out in such a way of like they changed the tempo and everything on it. So that really intrigued me. So I think the, there were some interesting musical choices. Um, We've, we've, it's not a cast of, of familiar faces. You've got Natasha Malfa in there very briefly. Uh, she was Blood Rain and she's done various other things, yeah. but she's only got a small part. It is essentially a film made by people you've never heard of, starring people you've never heard of. But it, it's so much better than like all the Bruce Willis films recently. <laughs> and, Absolutely, yeah. And, pr- yeah. and, you know, many of the other action, but I do think it really is a very, very solid action movie. Mm-hmm. Totally agree, yeah. Yeah. Okay, scores on the doors, uh, Steve. Um, I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. And Rich? I'm actually gonna, because I can see myself watching this again, I think for what they achieved, uh, you know, Compared to some other things, like the serpent, for example, mm. I think that I think mm. in comparison, I think if Daniel Styson had directed it and stuff as well, it could have turned out like the 
like the serpent, but because he put it in the hands of somebody who had experience, who knew what he was doing, even if he hadn't really got a lot of feature experience, uh, that's that was a big bonus. That that really helped the film. Um, I have to give this an eight. Interesting. I am going to join Steve on a seven, but it is highly entertaining, very watchable. It's currently on Netflix, so if you're a subscriber to that, go check it out. Two sevens and an eight for Last Man Down. Our next review is The Diesel. A stuntman finds himself investigating a criminal organization when his friend confesses to a murder he didn't commit. Okay, so this is an Egyptian film. Um, I like this a lot, uh, mainly because it was something a bit different to what we've, we usually get, you know, but, but still sort of delivering action. Um, it almost felt like a Bollywood movie without the dancing and singing to a certain degree. Um, I completely the, agree. The yeah. only thing, well, I, I got two, two things I want to mention, but um, I'm, I'm going to keep one back for the time being. Mm-hmm. The, the only real thing is that some of the fights felt a bit lightweight. You know, you, you, you felt there was a bit of too much air between, sort of, you know, the, um, the the fists and the kicks. And, you know, it, it just felt a little bit too light for, for what we were seeing. You know, we're, we're spoiled by the likes of our school dropouts, of course. But, um, you know, um, other than that, I, I thought this was very good. Uh, Steve, what do you make of it? I actually really enjoyed this, to be fair. Um, I wasn't expecting anything. You sent, you know, sent the post through. I had a look on it, and yeah, it's, it is a bit cliched. You know, it's revenge for whatever, but a bit murkier than some of the usual stuff that we see. Um, I like the setup. I thought the acting was was great. I thought the main guy was absolutely phenomenal. Um, <laughs> really enjoyed his performance, and. And the, and the fight, I enjoyed the fight scenes. I'm not, I enjoyed them. Saying yeah. a little bit, but hmm. some of them, especially like the ones with the baseball bat, I thought they were actually oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty brutal. They were really hard. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it. Came out of nowhere, and was very surprised in it. Really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it is one of the things I, I did sort of post on Twitter that, you know, one, one of the things I do like about Netflix uh, in particular mm. is the fact that it does get this international content, um, you know, such stuff you, you wouldn't normally sort of come across on some of the other uh, streaming services. Um, so, so, Rich, we, we've covered a, um, a few Egyptian films before. We did, a, we did yes. an Egyptian special a while ago. Mm. Um, how did you get on with The Diesel? I think this is my favourite of the ones we've seen so far. The the, the lead guy, um, Mohammed Ramadan, was in a film that I watched pre- previously. I, I can't remember if it's one of the ones we covered. It's called Detention Letter. Yes, we did. We, we did cover that one. We yeah. did cover that one. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's him again. Hmm. Uh, this one was actually only made a year later from that, although it's been taken a long time to actually come over here. This was two thousand eighteen. He's actually a music star um especially recently there's you know go on to his imdb absolutely tons of music videos listed um including one called coronavirus apparently um (laughs) um, he's he's really good the it does what that a lot of these egyptian films 
have tended to do, which is have have lead characters who are like super macho, and mm. so you know, their attitude to women is a bit unsettling. Um, but this one wasn't as bad as um, like Pharaoh's War or No Surrender. No, you're right, but not, not Pharaoh's War. Um, yeah, I think Pharaoh's War did it. But basically, you know, yeah. like where they're slapping women around and stuff. Now, uh, this this is the bit I I was sort of keeping back because I knew I knew it would come up. Hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. The sort of the, the, the let's call it what it is. The misogyny hmm. isn't isn't as is pronounced in this one, but there is one particular scene which starts off as fast, and then it lurches into something quite uncomfortable. Um, so, so one of the main characters is this female um, sort of movie star that he ends up sort of bodyguarding, mm-hmm. and he takes her back to his house to meet his sister. Mm-hmm. And you know the neighbors find out, and then he, he comes out, and like the whole of this is is sort of um, block of flats is suddenly on his doorstep, wanting to see this this woman, which is you know it's it's ha ha yeah quite amusing, but then one of the characters goes, yeah you know we don't want to touch her. We're not, we're not going to touch her or anything. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> you know, mm. this is sort of going a bit the wrong way now. You know, he, he just if you chat, if he kept your mouth shut, nobody would have even thought along those lines. <laughs> you know, it would, it would have been a nice sort of light scene. Ha ha, look, you know, everyone knows that she's there and all the rest of it. But now they're sort of going, I'm not going to rape her or anything. You know, honest, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just get out of the way, and everything will be fine. But isn't there like, isn't there a point? He, he's talk, there is in that scene. He's like, "Oh, you've done something." So, yeah, sort of like, yeah. Oh, I know yeah. what you've been up to, and, oh, and you, you yeah, these. Yeah. Are, and he does say they're all criminals, and yeah, <laughs> it's like these are all like the worst yeah. people in society. We, we we do also get um, his his attitude to his sort of love interest as well, and, and sort of like, "Oh, I can't marry you," uh, and all that because of her past yeah. uh, which, which comes out later mm. it's like okay <laughs> you know? well that's all part of the as you were as you you know completely on the same way length of me there's there's this whole bollywood style plot mm. twist thing that happens part way through i mean i was watching uh, the uh the indian uh, the bargy films re- uh, recently oh, yeah. and they did this kind of mm. shift in one of in one of them, you know, this the story goes one way, and it's like, oh, and then it all sort of changes around, and then and then uh, you get in, that in sort of bit to this, yeah. Then, then you get that that sort of bit where they ch- sort of go back in time a little bit and fill in a few gaps to yes. sort of show you, yeah, you know, show right. you yeah. the other sort of direction it's heading in. Um, but I really like that because it kind of really recentered the movie, but it didn't it didn't feel jarring. I mean, it, like for, for example, in those films I'm I'm just talking about, it's mm. quite jarring. It's like you went from one film into another film. This yeah. film actually felt like a progression uh they didn't yeah. twist things too much it was there were, there were the twists in the characters and the relationship because you think it's going one way you mm. know and then it and then it just goes in a completely like opposite direction uh mm. and there's also the stuff with the bad guys and what they're up to that comes completely out of left field it's all like it, it mm. turns almost into the running man <laughs> yeah it's yeah yeah it's really um but I like on a much lower scale. But but yeah. that was quite brutal and and say unexpected. I thought it would be. You think it's sex trafficking and you know sort of sort of mm. thing going on, but it's not. It's it, no, that's it. Yeah. I, no. I, I I really like this film. I thought it was very well made. I thought the mm. well, the action when it came was really hard hitting and really good and fun. 
I mean, he jumps the car at one point in yes, in, 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 in a long shot as well, showdown in yeah, Little Tokyo yeah. kind of fashion. Yeah, and that works quite. You know, there's there's stuff like that. It's, it's yeah. like you really, that, it's really worth watching. I mean, I mean that that particular stunt was done in long shot in, in one mm. take. You know, it wasn't mm. didn't suddenly cut to him jumping over it. It was it's, you know you saw the whole thing. Um, it, it was all, almost like when we watched um, Armor of God two the other week. You know, with, with the yeah. sun, leaps onto the cargo net. But um, yeah, no, no, this this was exemplary stuff, and, and you know, it need, needs its it needs a spotlight on it. I think you know, it needs people to sort of shout mm. about it a little bit. Uh, so yeah, Netflix yeah. is the only place you can see Egyptian movies like this. So I know. Thank yeah. heavens for Netflix sort of yeah. taking these on, and so I don't know if if they're. Um, I think they've. I think Netflix must have like. Re, you know, uh, subscribers in in the Middle East and mm. Egypt and stuff, and to yeah. be able to have the amount of, co- you know, they haven't got ridiculous amounts, but they've got quite a few, quite interesting selections and stuff, yeah. including TV series, um, and they usually only do that for areas where they're, you know, available. It's like in Poland, for example, when they went into Poland, all of a sudden they started buying tons <laughs> of Polish content. And now there's loads. Mm. You know, yeah. it's like so. Um, there's a it's, few um, countries that you can't find content for, but I think it's only a matter of time before. Yeah, exactly. You know, we get to see and, and, stuff and, yeah. what's, and what's so good as well is is that it proves that you know, it, basically, the world is caught up with, with the likes of the states. You know, um, in, in terms of the content they're putting out, uh, you know, America doesn't have a lot of excuses left for for putting out you know, bland stuff because the rest of the world is is, is doing it. As good, if not better, in, on, on, um, in certain, certain circumstances. Anyway, scores on the doors. Uh, Steve, uh, I'm going to give it an eight. Mm-hmm. And Rich, I think I'm going to give it an eight as well. <laughs> I'm joining both of you on an eight. Yes, um, as we said, this is on Netflix. Please check it out. It's very, very good. <laughs> Our next review is Incarnation. A young yuppie couple move to a huge house in LA and discover a demonic ritual which will make them rich, but at a price. My first question to you guys is, you drive up to this house, you take one look at it, do you go in? Steve? Yeah, I go in because it does look quite nice at first. It looks like the Amityville house (laughs) on steroids. But I think that's, I don't know. I mean, I presume it wasn't built for this. <laughs> um, because it's so, so dirt cheap. But there's like a couple of shots halfway through where you see the roof. And it yeah. looks like a, like an evil skull. Like a, yeah, like a know? sort of jack-o'-lantern kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and I thought that was, that was actually probably one of the best bits about this, to be fair. But... Um, yeah, it goes a bit downhill from there, doesn't it, really? It goes um, downhill as soon as Michael Madsen turns up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's your standard it, Michael know. Madsen turns up in a cowboy hat uh, performance. Do you know the what? Funny I, thing is, do you know what the funny thing is? He replaced Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke who would have done yeah. exactly the same thing. <laughs> he would have had a dog or a cockatoo or something. Yeah, he would have, yeah. 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 <laughs> he, he, he just didn't hang together at all there's no I mean I didn't get half of it to be fair I mean 
did you just find this book and start doing this incantation or whatever? It mm. just didn't make any sense. And then about halfway through the film, she makes a choice of spending some money or quite a lot of money without telling a partner. And I thought, it's just the reactions don't ring true in any of it, to be fair. And well, it's because the influence, the influence was upon them at that point. <sighs> you know, they're, they're not acting yeah, but, like themselves. I know, I know what you're saying, but it just didn't give the impression that there was anything there to influence them, if you know what I mean. It was just, mm. it just read a book and drew a pentagram on the floor, and that was kind of it. And it just, no, didn't make sense, didn't do anything new or different or totally that made nothing made sense of it basically and I just yeah it wasn't great I mean when she wakes up and she's got something arched, etched into her back and there's blood everywhere and it's just not really mentioned again you know <laughs> just you know you know what I mean the things like that it just oh, didn't yeah. make didn't line up or make sense or anything yeah I weren't impressed I I agree with you. Um, I, I think it's too slow as well. Um, mm. I think one of the problems is the house was too big. The house actually felt too big for the film, for what they were sort of trying to do. Um, mm. for, for me, that's, that was part of it. But Michael Madsen yeah. turning up, I, I thought he was, you know, one scene and done. Um, but he does actually turn up again later on. Um but yeah, well, he, is not, yeah. he is not the Eric Roberts. No, that's right. <laughs> no. Yeah, of the film, yeah, he, he, he is there more than you think he's going to be. Although I think he did turn up. You know, as far as wardrobe was concerned, I think it was a case of. Oh, I think I'm, he shot his scenes in one day. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. I just wear what I'm. I just use what I'm wearing. Um, yeah, I, I do kind of like Tay Diggs. Um, he was in but, uh, the Way of the Gun. Um, equilibrium, equilibrium, of course, yeah. But the thing is, he deserved. That's this is one of my problems with the film is he's a much better. He's, mm. he's he deserves much better than this. How did he? How did he end up in a film this low budget? I mean, mm. it it does yeah. it has a certain reasonable look to it, but it is very low budget. It could be a I'm, case in, of oh, we'll, we'll yeah, that's, that's we'll fix that in post sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. And the house, no, no. like you say, the house has got this. It is like a new. I mean, this is it's a haunted house movie basically, mm. but it is yeah. a new house, which is yeah. quite or or it's or it's well, it's supposed to have been occupied before, but it looks pretty much brand new. Mm. Uh, mm. It doesn't have any character, which is a problem. You know, you you it, it, it yeah. what is essentially a reworking of the Amateurville horror, as you sort of alluded to. You know, it it, it it's that mm. whole sort of going a bit crazy in the house kind of thing but without there's no kids involved so there's no there's no element there thank it's god it's just this couple it's yeah. just like basically <laughs> it's like two or, it's like three people in the cast mm. stuff happening with them in this house that's really not got any features the the scary scenes don't really work that well um what the, the one thing i liked at the start was you know sort of weird stuff's happening and Tay Diggs is reacting reasonably like, oh, hell no, no, I'm getting out yeah, of here yeah, kind yeah. of thing. But then they forget about that and just, I'm no, and again, I know sort of the influence comes upon them and stuff, but, you know, the initial reaction is like, oh, well, we're getting out of here. And mm. that was kind of, that's, that rings true. But then everything after that just doesn't really work. And the, and the fact that they're using this, you know, the book and stuff, 
and it just it doesn't look a very authentic prop you know no, it, it but, but even, even that sort of setup i mean you know how how desperate are they for cash that they sort of go this, this sounds like a perfectly reasonable idea you know <laughs> to to start doing, doing such, uh, demonic rituals in the house uh, you know yeah i say it doesn't really, shit's a yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it doesn't right. really hang together at all and say the problem i mean tay diggs i like tay diggs mm. he's good he's got a good presence uh, but this is like a He's got nothing to work with here, really. So. He doesn't. Yeah. Well, he doesn't yeah. really. And then Michael. This is the film you, you would expect Michael Madsen to turn up in this. Mm. But you. But I think Tay Diggs sort of sell the fact that he's in it. You know, you see the name on the cover and whatever. I expected more. Yeah. And it, and it's mm. and it's not. There's there's nothing there. It is just a really cheap, very you know limited cast version. Every, everything of, happens of in the house as well. I mean, there's there's no. You know, we were talking about things like yeah. Last Man Down being you know sort of a you know, some, some minimalistic sort of locations, but here we are. You know, everything is set inside the house. Yeah, virtually. And it's not probably, an interesting looking. I wonder though, perhaps the budget did go on building the house for as as <laughs> as a location because if you say you know, I didn't even pick up on yeah. the whole. It looks like a skull stuff or anything. I was I wasn't even noticing mm. did you, that. But did you, now that did I see the look, trailer and stuff, I do see. Yeah. It. yeah. I mean, at the at the end of the film, and sort you, you get this sort of overhead shot as, as it sort of pans out. And you see this sort of the house's location. It is literally in the middle of nowhere, you know, yeah. in the middle of this sort of fork road. You know, yeah, so the ro road forks left well. and right. And it's just there. It's, it's the strangest location to build a house that size. You know, it almost looks like it's next, as you say, mm -hmm. it's like next to the freeway or something. Really? Mm, freeway, yeah. You know, would, would, would you really build a house there? I don't, I don't know. know. He was a, the, the guy who built it or, or lived there previously was, you know, interested in the occults yeah. and stuff so maybe it's a site yeah. maybe it's like the ley lines or something who knows, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Mm. yeah it doesn't it doesn't I, i'll be honest some, some of the, i was just drifting away i wasn't that interested it was mm. not particularly engaging yeah. you know as a short film you could have done this as a short film but trying to stretch yeah. it out to like 80 minutes or whatever it was mm. it just wasn't enough and you know the it doesn't give you anything new you know it just made me want to watch the remake of Amateurville Horror with Ryan Reynolds because <laughs> I just remembered yeah. oh that was a much more stylish yeah you know film with stuff actually happening and whatever that's the one that I always remember that film because um, there's a scene early on where Ryan Reynolds character wakes up in bed and he sees like this hanging corpse at the end of it and he goes <gasps> like that and his wife wakes up and goes what and he goes nothing that's like, for fuck's sake <laughs> You <laughs> didn't talk about gaslighting. Anyway, <laughs> scores on the doors for um, this film, which is called, uh, and I haven't forgotten the title, <laughs> at all, um, Incarnation. <laughs> Incarnation. <laughs> uh, Steve, what do you got to score, Incarnation? Um, a five. A five. Um, and yeah. uh, Rich? A four. A four. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think a five. It's probably fair. Um, two fives and a four. That's, for just, but that's just for Michael Madsen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turning up and growling his lines. We, we've seen better guys this is at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, two fives and a four for Incarnation. If you like Tay Diggs, go check it out. <laughs> Can you, can you, tick, 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 tick,
Our next review is Zeros and Ones. A military officer searches Rome for his missing brother just as the Vatican is attacked. Um, okay, so this is a film by Abel Ferreira and it stars Ethan Hawke. And there's an interesting prologue to the film where Ethan Hawke addresses the camera as Ethan Hawke and sort of says how much of a fan he's been of Abel Ferrara's work and he's a dream to sort of work with him and all the rest of it and he hopes to enjoy the film. Later on, there's another <laughs> um, sort of you know, to the camera piece by Ethan Hawke at the end, which is just after he's finished watching the film. <laughs> And he is probably as nonplussed as we are. And he was in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he, 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 claw, he claws it back a bit, though. I think he's a little bit. At first, yeah. it seems like he, he doesn't really have anything much to say. He and then he kind know of what to pulls say. something out of his arse. Uh, <laughs> he really does. But um, so. Or does know, he? We, or is it part uh, of the script? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. So. You know, we, we did a sort of aminar over whether or not we were going to cover this. Um, you know, you you had made the initial uh, sortie into the film, Rich, um, yeah. and decided, <laughs> no, this, this is incomprehensible nonsense. Let's ditch it. And then I found myself watching it as well. So that kind of forced you <laughs> into finishing it off. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think films like this are important for us to review at the end of the day. Um, because that's kind of what we're here for. We're, we're here to, you know, look, look at the bad as well as the good. Um, yeah, to warn people. <laughs> we watch this so you don't have to. That's, the, think, uh, yeah. that's the thing. But um, this is... Could you make sense of it? <laughs> Did you know what was going on? I, I, Well, for one thing, I had no idea it was shot in Rome. Or, or it was set in Rome. I thought it was like Afghanistan or somewhere, you know, somewhere typical. <laughs> I, I had no idea it was actually in, e even in a European city. Um, I had no idea what the Russians were getting involved. Um, all of that sort of stuff. It was just incredibly bizarre at times. Basically, as much as I can tell, is that Ethan Hawke's character goes to Rome, trying to find his brother, also played by Ethan Hawke, who's a, a drug addict slash revolutionary. You know, he's exactly the sort of person who would have been um, you know, in Washington on the 6th of January, um, you know, inv invading the, um, the Senate, whatever it was, uh, a couple of years ago. But um, Congress. Congress even, yeah. So mm. he's exactly that sort of guy, you know. Um, but he's been set up by the CIA or someone to be a patsy for this attack on the Vatican. Who knows why the Vatican's getting attacked? It's never explained. Um, but sort of, you know, Ethan Hawke's character is this sort of operative. He, he kind of knows stuff. Um, he, he's, he's, he's savvy enough to know that, you know, people are always after him. He, he's always sort of just getting out of the way. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's very murky, and and I suppose, you know, the reality of this sort of espionage it probably would be that murky to a degree. It's you know that it's it's not as sort of cut and dried as a Mission Impossible or a James Bond film or anything like that. You know, it, it's all sort of secret messages, <clears> and you know, 
meet meeting sort of strange people in in strange locations and all this but it is very very obtuse and whatever message that Abel Ferrara is trying to sell it's just lost in the noise you know um it is very very bizarre how did you get on with this in the end <laughs> it's, it's terrible i mean it's like, like i say it was just incredibly tedious i mean the, the tedious i mean the the, the, the starting with a, a video of ethan Hawke was sort of like set alarm bells ringing straight away because mm. nobody ever does that i mean no this, one that ever basic, does that he basically mm. says at the end of the movie that that was kind of the pitch video that he made yeah. when he was crowdfunding for it. Trying to crowdfund it. Uh, yeah. But why include that as like an introduction? It's a bit strange. And then it's like a kind of, you know, you start seeing the digital video and, you know, random mm -hmm. scenes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, we're in that sort of art house digital video kind of territory. You know, it, it really it's, making... almost, it's almost like the whole thing was just a punk um, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> It was just, <laughs> just be, a one long con, one. and and yeah. then the punchline is, is is Ethan Hawke's expression at the end of the film is like, "What the fuck have I just done? <laughs> what have I just started?" In? That would have been good. The um, <laughs> yeah, he's got the. You know, it reminded me of film. This kind of you know digital art house movies made by sort of seasoned directors. Hmm. I generally don't get on with so Bernard Rose stuff, Mike Figgis. I think as that you know that done quite a few notable um, digital video movies, but the Bernard Rose stuff is what I think of in particular, mm. um, and as well, not so much digital video, but in the same sort of vein, Werner Herzog. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the only the film that comes to mind or came to mind when I saw this is like what what's like the most, you know, because in the past when we sort of looked at our year. Hmm. you know year review kind of thing so we have you know we, we say that this film is just bullshit kind of award and that's what i mean this is the winner I mean, <laughs> so, so this is like an all-timer hmm. and the it, it it reminded me a bit of that the, the experience of watching salt and fire yes that's the one i was movie. thinking of as well when you were in but right yeah and it's so because yeah, it's i mean but the thing is with that one is at least it had reasonable production values and um some of its quirky traits were, mm. you know, entertaining, interesting. It makes it a bit novel. This doesn't have anything really quirky. It's just kind of, it's, you know, scenes of people shouting and laughing. I mean, there's literally a character who is, who is just called the laughing woman, the laughing Russian or something. Mm. And that's her, that's her character. I mean, there's a warning sign right there. You laughing Russian agent. If you look at the cast list or whatever, you say laughing Russian agent, serious Russian agent. I mean, there's a whole scene where he, they're in the car and, you know, this woman's laughing and ha ha. And they, they're at this meal and, and it's subtitled, but then they get to the car and they don't subtitle it. Yeah. Um, and then they get to a hotel and they start recording a sex video, basically, for some reason. It's, I quite... it's the weirdest honey trap ever, basically. It's going, and it's mm. really drawn out. It's it's all drawn mm. out and it's, uh, nothing of cons nothing's happening and then stuff starts blowing up and it's sort of really cut very quickly, yeah. so you don't actually you sort of like you don't you don't actually realise what building is being blown. Yeah, I, thought, I thought exactly. it was a mosque. I thought it was it's a mosque they blew up. It turns out it'd be the Vatican. <laughs> I think this is possibly one of the worst films I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot, 
and I've seen a lot of really bad ones. And you know, this is Abel Ferrara. You know, I know he's mm-hmm. sort of damp mixed. You know, he's done done various different kinds of things. But I think of Body Snatchers, which is probably the Body most Snatchers, King of New York, mainstream Street things Fire. he's done. Yeah. I think of the mainstream stuff because I'm I've not really seen yeah. much of. The, I've not even seen Badly Ten. But but it's then King of Hawk, okay, he sort of dabbles in stuff that's a bit weird at times. But I still, mm-hmm. I mean, the film is marketed with this really quite cool looking poster of you know there's an explosion and thing and i mean that's the go-to kind of design and that is the sense you know you get that mm. you do get that he is an agent he's a, I mean, but mm. it's it's just you know pretentious or i don't know what the right yeah, word is but it's it's yeah. it's really a waste of time <laughs> it's like i'd warn anyone well, it's, not it's, to see it's the way the film ends as well i mean it turns out you know, he, he kind of rescues this woman who's got a baby and they end up on the rooftop and he says, it's begun. And then you see some soldiers rushing to something because you don't know, you know, he doesn't actually show you where, where they are or anything. There's no context. And then he just get shots of like people going about their everyday lives, sort of buying bagels and shit. And it's like, what? What happened? <laughs> Just run out of money, basically. It's very, very. I, I, I guess maybe that you know, it's kind of like a life goes on. You know, mm. it's nothing, nothing really changed as a result of that. Say, it's an art house. It's a, it's a film mm. to interpret. It's not, yes. a, it's not got any sense, you know, to it. I mean, even I don't know the right struggle this, but to it was actually kind of, interpret. Yeah, is it like a? Is this what cinema verite? was you know is it is, is mm. that kind of what he was trying to do something that's like that um it, it say i'm not a lover of art i don't like art house stuff generally i mean i'd might you know i'd my some mm. of it but you know when you're going into something with a poster that's essentially promising you something in the same way as last man down did mm. you know it, it, you and then you're being sideswiped by something that's i mean some people might like that something more like the rug being pulled out for India and this is something different and challenging and whatever. Great. All power to you. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. I hope there are people who do enjoy it. But um, I think the majority of people who, you know, get watch this film based on the artwork uh, and, you know, that are, are going to be really so put out. Really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. This does have one redeeming feature. Oh, go on. Uh, the soundtrack. Mm. I, I did enjoy the soundtrack by okay. um, Joe, Joe Delia, um, who is a longtime collaborator with um, Ferrara. Oh, okay. But but I I, I like that. Uh, it had a really sort of good sort of driving sort of score to it. Um, it was literally the only thing that sort of kept me watching at certain points. Fair enough. You found something. Indeed. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> and on that note. What are you going to score, Rich? I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I, I feel like even a one is being generous because I really t- I don't think there's anything of merit in this film. Because I cannot give this a zero. <laughs> it's a zero valid. <laughs> mm, or should I at least give it a one? Yeah. I See, mean, normally it, I'd say, oh, you know, they put it together quite well. It's like well produced, and you know, I don't think that even applies. No, no not, not for long stretches of it. The other thing as well is that either Ethan Hawke's character, he hardly has actually any dialogue. 
He does that whole sort of um, crazy manic scene. Apart, apart from, well, that was that was his brother's character. That was the yeah yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah, he, he he does all that, but you know the other character, the sort of the main one we're following, oh, yeah. hardly actually sort of speaks at yeah. all. So I've seen, um, I've, I've seen film. There was a film with um, Vincent Gallo mm. called Essential Killing, with uh, which was a it was a Polish film ostensibly, but it was like in English. There wasn't really any dialogue. That was kind of one of the things mm. about it. But that's another one, you know, where you think it's going to be like this thriller or something, and then it's just it's just scene after scene of kind of random weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I just don't get much out of films like no. that. So yeah, I, 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 I honestly think, can't I think, think I'm going to force you Rich to, to score it a one. Okay. Force the one then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm giving that one. I don't know what that one is for. <laughs> so uh, Ethan Hawke's beard, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really hated. Um, I hate this film so much. Really it's hate. Like, yeah, I can't think of a film that has really. Are you I've holding disliked out? this I, much? I mean, I, this I, doesn't I, happen for me. I, I don't yeah. feel this way. I, I have faith, Rich. There is a film out there. Maybe it hasn't been made yet. Maybe we just haven't discovered yet. But I reckon there's a film out there that you're going to hate even more than this. I think this is gonna. So we got to it's, it's a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> we got, I mean, we've got to keep that zero. So, yeah. <laughs> got to keep it fresh. I'm the I'm, fact I'm, that I'm... they managed to get it released. There you go. There's a one. <laughs> you managed to make this terrible, terrible film and pick get international distribution for it. <laughs> it's like, That's right. Fair yeah. play to you. There's yeah. There's a lot. You're making of, money off this thing. There's a lot of goodwill <laughs> being burnt on this film. That's for sure. Um. Yeah, I, I've got to score it a three, um, mainly because I did enjoy the score, and that's and that is its only redeeming feature. And the so fact there that you it's go. Short, I suppose. You know, it's, it's short, like eighty yeah. minutes long. Yeah, and that's including the wraparound commentary, but well, you know, scenes with um, Ethan Hawke looking um, quite dishevelled. He does at the end, especially, you know, because he, he he's literally exasperated at the end because he's literally just finished watching the film himself and he's like, oh, my God. What have I just spent all that time doing? Yeah. <laughs> at least I've got a holiday in Rome, I suppose. Indeed. Well, yeah, God knows what he got. So there you go. Um, probably one of the lowest scoring films ever um, that we've, we've covered. Um, we, we found Richard's new Hate Watch. Um, no, I'm never touching this thing yeah. again. <laughs> I'm never going near this. Wow. Burn off the viewing. <laughs> um, so there you go. A one and a three for zeros and ones. If only we... Oh, yeah. if only <laughs> you we'd... missed the trick there. You missed the trick. Ah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Our short shot this week is Life is But a Dream. A village undertaker steals the coffin of a long-dead swordsman and must explain himself to the warrior's vengeful spirit. Okay, so I'm going to hand straight over to Rich on this one to give a bit of background about this film. Um, over to you, mate. Okay, uh, well, so what's quite interesting here is that normally this segment is curated uh, you know watch through quite a lot of short films and we'll pick something that we know is pretty good and that i think you know everyone's going to enjoy this one i pick i we but we basically selected it 
purely because you know this is quite a left field thing it's a short film that's been released by Park Chan-wook who did Old Boy and you know other many other mm-hmm. things uh, and it's a promotional film for the new iPhone so I hadn't actually seen it you know before suggesting that we cover it it was just I, I just felt it was something that it was a no-brainer yeah we should we, we have you know how can you not cover a, a, a short film by Park Chan-wook that's kind of like uh, you know a done deal so my you know coming into this uh, I'm actually in a completely different position to what I normally would because I'd normally go oh yeah I love this film because blah 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 actually I didn't like this that much it wasn't really to my taste but it, it as a as a showcase for what you know as the film is intent I mean this is kind of a subgenre of short films where they you know you've got the promotional films that are made to showcase an airport or whatever it is mm. you know they get um uh, Ridley Scott to direct it and stuff like that. This is one of those. This is the other type of film where they make the film to showcase the camera and the technology side of things. You know, you get or you get these like Unreal Engine type movies that they make to show mm. you know how visual effects are. Thing. So this is this is purely to you know he gets to unleash his sort of you know creative impulses on a clean canvas, and he's basically only. Uh, restraint I would expect was the fact that he's got to make it on an iPhone uh, and he you know he does you know he does use that canvas you know he, he, he touches on for, you know it's the uh, period style martial arts fantasy genre stuff and using all the familiar conventions and doing quite clever clever stuff whatever um, not to my taste but it is impressive looking and if you you know if you're you know, it's hard. You might say at times, how, why there's so many films and stuff being made. How many, you know, so many short films and stuff turning up. It's because the technology. You know, yeah. why do they look so good? It's because the technology is getting so good, for 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 not much money, that people can just make stuff that looks. I mean, like Last Man, Last Man Down, for example. You know, they probably they're probably working with, the kind of equipment they could have only dreamed of, you know, a few years ago. You know, it would yeah, probably uh, absolutely. the the resulting film in the you know would have been like, let's say, uh, Chris Jones is the runner. You know, the guerrilla filmmaker's guide. Mm. Um, he made a film with Harrison Ford's brother called The Runner, or Survival Island, and that was made on proper old fashioned proper cameras. You know, it, you know, you didn't have any digital video or whatever back then, so you you got that filmic look, but it's low budget or whatever. Now people can just get an iPhone. You know, provided you've got the other you know, good location and, you know, all those other bits that you need, you know, post-production processes and stuff. You can make something that looks really, really professional without a huge amount of effort. So what we've got here is somebody, you know, using this technology, but somebody who's at like the top of the game. Mm. Uh, And so you do get that really, you know, high-end quality uh, in terms of, you know, you know, we've got, interesting actors in giving decent performances big big visual effects sequences and stuff are all happening on this film that was shot on an iphone Mm. um steve how did you get on with uh this one um yeah i enjoyed it it's like rich was saying it is a bit insane to be fair um but i think it's just that kind of weird korean vibe that you get sometimes you know Mm. um well, yeah, I mean, it basically is an advert, advert for the iPhone, what you can do on the iPhone. And like, I've seen things like this before, but it was, 
enjoyable, certainly colourful. Um, especially like you know the the dead party at the yeah. end. Yeah, you know, there's like a lot that. of humour yeah. in it, isn't there? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, like the um, the minstrel type characters, you know, singing the the, the story along and stuff like that, mm. and. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's just a bit nice half hour of insane, colourful stuff, and it's not offensive to anyone. It's just it is what it is, and um, yeah, it's fine. It's it, very lively, yeah. you know. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It's that cel- He's kind of going for that kind of, you know, it's that life is but a dream. So it's like a, it's a celebration because it's always about the the dead and you know the the spirits mm. and you know celebra- celebrating them and trying to. He's like do, trying to do some matchmaking and stuff, and they have a party, and it all goes a bit like the end of, you know, like the end of Zatoichi with. Um, yes, that's the one that really yeah. came to mind as well. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, where it all just turns into a big <laughs> like, dance sequence at the end. Well, so. yeah, like four-year-old four virgin, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like the sunshine, <laughs> dad's thing. You know, that kind of. Yeah, that that, that kind of thing. You know, it just. It is like a celebration in a way, but involving death, quite a lot of death. And, mm-hmm. and it's a good martial arts sequences yeah. and stuff. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, yeah. Kind of I, like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So, so you know, this sort of thing was, was, was straight up my street for sure. Um, sort of the, you know, the whole story. I, I love the sort of the different elements, you know, um, sort of the different types of narration that we ended up with. Um, I, I was I was so sure that the um, the, the Undertaker's story was complete bullshit, and, and until mm. it turns out not to be, you know, it's like ah, okay. Well, they keep wrong. They sort of keep yeah. changing things, don't they? So like mm. one person's talking, and then another person. Yeah, exactly. Talking, but, but you know, it becomes yeah. more sort of fantastical as as the story sort yeah. of goes on. So mm, okay. and then they mix in different things, like some of them, you know, some there's like a uh, one or two musical choices which is just mm-hmm. like really left field and there's like yeah, they yeah. Don't, they're not really fitting with the the kind of movie but it actually quite works quite well it's more of a kill billish kind of mm. you know mixture of you know co- combining things from different periods kind of thing going on if, yeah if you told me that um because i didn't realize going into it, I, I just you know put it straight on um and watched it it was only at the end when i realized it was all shot on the apple 13 pro um mm. and i was like jesus uh, because there's there's scenes in it for example there's a scene where the um you know the, the, the white martin character and the swordsman are, are sort of lying side by side in the coffin and mm. you get a close-up of their faces and it is like 4k digital quality you know um so you can see so much detail so so such a crystal clear image of the two of them i'm thinking and i was just sitting there going wow they, they really did a good job with the um, cinematography and the photography here because you know because that's like proper 4k stuff um so to find out it was actually shot on a phone um was, was really impressive um yeah that that sort of end sequence you know I, again i didn't know which way it was going i thought well, suddenly we we're going to get zombies or something you know yeah but um it doesn't it sort of turns into this huge dance number a little bit like um thriller i suppose to a certain degree you know Mm. But, um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought this was really, really good. Um, makes me want to get an iPhone. <laughs> it really did. Do you think yeah. they did any 
changes to because it, although some it does have that digital look to it it's not mm. like a an overtly digital look like a michael mann film for example no see it's, this is this is the thing as well it's like okay yeah it's shot on on on, on, on an iphone but you still got a cinematographer, you've got an editor, you've got a costume mm. designer, you've got special effects. So, uh, you know, again, you know, maybe some of that is done on the phone. You know, they, they might have certain mm. sort of fittings and stuff. But, um, it, well, yeah, it didn't come across as being... It does, know, it, it does say in the credits at the end, um, filmed using the iPhone, you know, the iPhone Pro or whatever, uh, mm. edited on, on the Apple Mac, but also some things are created in CG. Mm. <laughs> which they have to be because they've got well, people flying around all over flying the place. around and phantoms yeah. and stuff going yeah. on so yeah but I was just thinking it. in terms of just the sort of general look whether they sort of clean you know gave it a you know did they give it a little like more of a filmic so again that might be an iBook you know the, the tech that yeah. they used on, MacBook on the, whatever. the MacBook yeah. or whatever they edit it on there's probably software and whatever that, that has you know stuff mm -hmm. you know i know there's there's all these packages and whatever out there so maybe they, they were using some of those um i expect so but yeah i think the, if you you know you look at this as a as a showcase for the phone it, it, it i mean it's a great mark i mean it's what's great is oh, that yeah. it doesn't it doesn't come off like an advert it's not like an you know one of the, the look at the thing it is a proper film in its own right it just happens yeah. to be and a, a film that has like this, you know, advert mm. pop up at the end that says iPhone. You know, it's, it's, and, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, because it's a period piece as well, they, they can't feature the phone itself no. in, in the thing, <laughs> mm. you know, yeah. which I think is really clever. Yeah, because we, we, you know, we watch, um, you know, not, not selling Netflix again, but, you know, we, we do watch a lot of Korean dramas um, here at home. And, you know, you, you do get a lot of product placement for Samsung. In them, you know, they're always sort of pulling out their mm. Samsung phone and you know, especially the flip phone and all this sort of stuff and sort of playing with it and calling people. So, okay, um, yeah, this is you know, totally devoid of that sort of stuff. It's just like you know, the, the selling point is the product I've made using that product, yes, yes. So, yeah, so, uh, any more, any more on this one, guys? No, I'd say I, yeah. I think it's worth, I mean. I say I wasn't massively fond of it, but I do think it's worth a look. Um, yeah, I think definitely. other mm. film, other people, you know, like Mike, you know, you're a big fan. You, you know, you mm. like these kind. I of like this sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, yes, so we don't score these shorts, but we do recommend you check them out, and you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Intruder. The overnight stock crew of a local supermarket find themselves being stalked and killed by an unknown <gasps> intruder. Okay, um, I've already forgotten when this was made, Rich. Back in the 90s? 1989. Really? 89. Mm. Um, directed by a guy called Scott Spiegel. Yes. Longtime collaborator with um, Sam Raimi. Um, um, the, the th what I know Scott Spiegel from is the second um, from Dust to Dawn movie. Yes. Um, Texas Blood Money, I believe it's called. Yes. Second one. Yes. Um, but also, that my, um, um, he did a film called My Name is Modesty. Yes. Which is 
based on Modesty Blaze, which I believe Quentin Tarantino owned the the rights to, or the you know he, he had an option to make a Modesty Blaze film but couldn't get it yeah. off the ground, and he was going to lose you know lose that option unless he actually made something. It was the old Roger Corman Fantastic Four scenario again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he had to you know he had to produce a film and he got Scott Spiegel to direct it. Um, it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't, unfortunately. But the thing about Scott Spiegel is he loves putting cameras in weird places. He, he, he loves um, weird sort of POV shots and, and things like this. And I remember him talking on the extras to um, the, the My Name is Modesty. He was, and he was sort of saying that you want to do things like put a camera on the spindle of the um, roulette wheel. So mm. it spins around, you know, so you can watch the ball. Uh, and, and even in Texas Blood Money, there's a stupid bit where the camera is actually on the dial of the um, the safe. So you see that, you know, the, the camera is sort of turning around as the dial, you know, t- turning the, the, the wheels, which is just like stupid. And we get a lot of that kind of thing in this film. Some of it does work really well, I must admit. Um, but some of it, you're thinking, just just make a film, mate. Just 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 get on with it, and stop trying to be so bloody clever. Um, overall, I, I did like this. Uh, it does take a long time to really get going. I think there's a lot of characters in this film. Um, there's some good red herrings early on. Um, but yeah, so Rich, had you, had you seen this one before? I must admit, it totally passed me by. Yeah, I had. It was released on VHS by Colorbox, and and I think I picked it up at a boot fair or something at some mm-hmm. point. So uh, I prob- that was that would have been probably quite a few years after release. So it's well, maybe not actually. It might have been only a couple, but um, yeah, I saw it, and it was those point of view shots that made an impression. That that's his like signature, mm. uh, as you say, and it. It did leave an impression on me, and when I saw friend, uh, you know, uh, from Dusk Till Dawn two, it was, you know, it was the same thing. It was immediate apparent. I don't remember him doing it a lot in Modesty Blaze. I'll be honest, that film just no. was so bland. Yeah, I don't really get it. But he did direct Hostel Part Three recently, about ten years ago, uh, and I am quite. I, I never got. I never saw that because I, I wasn't a big fan of. The I haven't seen it yet. I thought the trailer but, looked quite good, actually. Well, I do want to see now that I've realised he directed it. I'm actually yeah. really keen to see it because mm. it's the last thing he's made. Uh, you know, he hasn't made anything else since. But what I'm curious about because I, I say I liked it as a slasher movie and it's mm. got that sort of interesting, the visual stuff going on. And I thought the twists and stuff was quite good. Um, I'm just wondering, you, you approached it from me uh, suggesting it and showing mm. you the poster and the poster has a couple of names on it and I was wondering if that coloured the experience for you not really um, I, I didn't spot Sam Raimi in it. I, I saw um, Ted Raimi you know he, he's pretty easy to spot um, but I must admit sort of Sam Raimi sort of passed me by um, so no that, that sort of side of it didn't really sort of bother me okay so they basically the 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 new poster, which essentially gives away the ending, gives away the, movie, the ending. Um, has it says Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi. Now Bruce Campbell mm. only turns up at the end as a cameo as a cop. Oh, I don't, I don't even Sam realize. Raimi, Tim. Sorry, 
I didn't even realise. Oh, you didn't realise that? <laughs> um, Sam Raimi is actually in it quite a lot. He uh, is, yeah. He he cut. Well, you you said you didn't recognise him, but no, I didn't recognise. I didn't. I, I thought Sam Raimi was in it. That's what I'm saying. Sam Raimi. All right, Ted Ted Raimi, I saw because he, he Ted was Raimi's the in there guy yeah. with the with the, um, the headphones. Yeah, and the music that just keeps playing that same tune mm. <laughs> repetitively, <laughs> like all the time. That same few mm. notes or whatever it doesn't doesn't ever change to a different song. Uh, the no, so Sam Raimi, he he his his intro when he comes in is he just get pushed straight over into a display of um, uh, Diet Pepsi. It's a stunt, basically. And I was like, yeah, yeah. whoa. <laughs> That's pretty cool that he would let, okay, I'm going to be in your movie because this guy co-wrote um, Evil Dead 2 and like say so yeah. loads of other stuff. Um, I'm going to be in your movie and you could just push me into stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. And uh, he, uh, he, he, he gets kind of knocked around a bit in the rest of the film as well, before his character gets gets um, gets killed. But he's pretty good. I mean, it's mm. funny to me that this is the second film that we'd covered in the throwback that has featured Sam Raimi in an acting role. Um, the the other being uh, Terminal Force uh, with Bridget Nielsen. Oh, yeah. But he didn't have much. Uh, that was like literally like a cameo, though. Uh, but this one, he actually has. It does feel like more of a supporting role, small supporting role. But there. But yeah, I, I quite like the character. Rene Estevez is one of the leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez's sister. Uh, she had a pretty decent career. Um, in the, you know, eighties, nineties, you know, saw her, I saw her in quite a few things. Don't hear of her much now, um, but I'm sure she's around. Yeah. And I like the, um, the guy who's uh, the sort of the, the guy in the, uh, uh, the um, denim shirt. I think it's yeah. the denim shirt. He's wearing. I think he's quite got quite a good performance. There's a whole bit where the killer is being is um, being chased and jumping across the the. Yeah, the register parts, so you, mm. where the where, you know where the um, people would stock their um, mm. groceries whatever, at the bottom. I think that is good. You know, they're jumping, leaping from one to another. That was the whole because yeah, it was one sort of continuous shot as well. I mean, I yeah. don't know how many times they had to do that without. The other thing over. I would say is this: the Bruce Campbell thing is quite interesting because this would actually work quite well in a double bill with uh, Black Friday. Because it's a yes, very, right. it's basically exactly the same yeah. set of world. One's a toy shop and one's a, yeah. a food market, but they're essentially the same kind of location. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, this works the location much better. It feels more authentic, whereas that felt like literally it was like a, a warehouse with a few shelves in it. Yeah. This one feels like an, you know, feels like a real supermarket. Probably was a real supermarket, I would presume. Mm-hmm. It's a very low budget film. They wouldn't have been able yeah. to build a big set or whatever. The, um, yeah. So I think all that. Is works quite well. So it's a very limited space. You know, there's mm. only so much you can do with you know aisles and stuff. But I think you know they they pan it out quite well. They go around mm. you know a little bit outside and and whatever. And the kills are really good. I think it's very do, solid. Yeah. Do do you think they they would really take as long as they do to realise what was going on? Because because nobody actually figures out what's happening until the until right at the end. You know what I mean? It's it's just like okay. There's one shot I really did like in this. Uh, you know, a complaint about is sort of weird sort of POV shots and everything. But there is one where um, Renee Estevez is talking about her ex-boyfriend um, and the camera is inside the shopping trolley. 
And as it's sort of friends sort of saying, oh, you know, what happened? And she says, oh, you went to jail. And as she does it, the camera just sort of pans further left. So it's looking through the bars of the, um, the shopping trolley, making it look like she's behind bars, which I thought was, you know, that was pretty neat, really. I'll, I'll give it that one. <laughs> um, some of the kills are pretty brutal, even though you don't actually, there's not a lot of gore on screen. But there's one in particular where a guy gets his head crushed in the sort of like, you know, the um, cardboard crusher machine. Um, and that's K&B, and you know, they've got K&B on board. Yeah, K&B did a lot, uh, Kurtzman. Um, but that particular scene, because again, we're, we're sort of like looking down at the person as the, um, you know, the pressure plate is, is heading towards him. And it's quite prolonged because the guy is sort of holding him in position and the guy is screaming his head off, you know, in, in panic and fear. And it just lets it go on and on and on. Until he gets crushed, so yeah, it's, um, I don't think you'd get away with that now. I reckon that would have been forced to be cut. But there you go. The other thing I'll say is this: this it is kind of an interesting footnote movie because mm. it was uh, produced by Lawrence Bender, who mm -hmm. then went on to make Reservoir Dogs with Quentin Tarantino, and these guys all, you know, sort of mixed in the same circles which is how come scott spiegel ends up doing work for quentin tarantino yeah um later on um let's say yeah so the it's not a film that you know it's not a, it's not a reservoir dogs or anything but it's quite it's quite this interesting lot of sort of you know low budget you know uh not not pretentious or anything they're, they're mm. just trying to make a film that's like a in the style of all these films they've grown up with kind of movie. And I yeah. think it works really well. I, th I think so. I, I'm, I'm surprised it's not more well-known. You know, I, I'm surprised I haven't come across it before. It just seems as I, you know, as, as a slasher, it is of the period. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised that, um, you know, you, you just don't see it being talked about. I think I was only aware of it because I read a book about Quentin Tarantino. When I was young, and you know, when he when he was like hitting big, that was like a biography kind of thing came out, and there was a I think there was a whole section or you know a few paragraphs talking about you know the forming of a band apart and Lawrence Bender mm. and stuff, and so this film got mentioned as part of that, uh, and I think that's the only reason I kind of ended up checking it out. Um, the, mm -hmm. But it's only really now that you sort of you go back and watch it. And you see all these names in the cast. And it's just like, <laughs> so you've got Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi, um, Lawrence Bender, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell, you know, the um it's and Scott Spiegel, obviously, who's gone on to you know reasonable success himself. Yeah. I think I think who, who again, I think he's a director who should probably be a bit better known just because he does have that, you know, okay, it's a bit of a uh hmm. It doesn't quite, you know, quite work, but it is his thing. That's the thing he does. Yeah, and, you cool. know, having a trolley with a point of view doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But, but mm. you know, if it does. Or, or there's the bit where he's got the bottle. Mm. And, you know, the bottle is obscuring the... I think that's quite good, actually. The guy's having a drink and he puts the, the bottle down. Yeah. And it obscures the screen. So And the film, the camera is shooting through it. So you can't see who the killer is. Yes. So, yeah. But there's other ones where, 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 you know, sort of Ted Raimi's characters are sweeping up and, and the camera is like underneath the rubbish. So, so, you know, at first it's all obscured until he sort of sweeps it all out of the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, things like that. 
there you go. It must have taken quite a while to set up all those mm. shots, especially at that time, you know, when you didn't have like easy to move around cameras. Yeah. You know, these were proper, you know, they were properly proper filmmaking cameras at he, that he, time. He could have done with a uh, he could have done with an iPhone 13 yeah, Pro, exactly. couldn't he? I mean, he just, the, <laughs> the amount of setups yeah. to do these, you know, vanity shots or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, exactly. It must have been tremendous. And, on a, you know, low budget film like this. Yeah, I, I imagine this is very much like Kevin Smith, you know, sort of filming sort of evenings and weekends uh, as, yeah. as much as possible. Well, I'd be interested to, because I can't remember, I'd be interested to look at the backstory a bit more, you know, because it might be well be that they were working working mm. in that supermarket. Because, yes, it is basically a, it's a slasher movie clerks. Mm. Without yeah, the jokes exactly. Yeah. But it, although there is humour in it, you know, it's, it's quite a fun movie. Mm. I think, you know, it, it's just funny that it's, it, it comes from it comes from that era, you know that that wellspring yeah. of you know independent filmmaking. But you know most people were making stuff that was like a bit left field, and this is just pure genre. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so this one is on Shudder um, rather than the usual Prime. So it's definitely worth you know if if you're um, already a subscriber. And definitely check it out. It's uh, it's one of those ones to fill in, you know, a gap in your uh, slasher sort of uh, filmography. Um, yeah, go check it out. And that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich and Steve for joining me this evening. And uh, there are some definite highs and lows this week, guys. Yeah, you can say that definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, please check out the films that we're reviewing. Um, check out the trailers in the footnotes. Also check out the short shot. Don't forget to check us out on uh, Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest. Also check out the short shots, our sister show, and its Twitter page where Richard puts out a new short film every evening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.